A select few survivors are tasked with colonizing and repopulating a new Earth. Strong female characters drive the action in this dystopian post-apocalyptic thriller. Georgia, one of several beautiful genetic exotics, dares to break free from the tightly controlled social structures that forces women like her into a life of sexual slavery and forbids all women to bear and raise their own babies. Enter the Hatchery. Chapter 22 The Switch The exotics had managed to keep Cousin Phil under wraps for three days, but Georgia knew the authorities would be looking for him soon. She resolved to get all she could out of his intermittent memories before the inevitable happened. Georgia also realized that since time was not on her side, she would have to force some uncomfortable memories out of Phil before he was ready. Phil was a genuinely likable guy, not someone deserving of all this cruel manipulation. It made her feel terribly guilty. The guilt coupled with fear of what could happen if she and her housemates were discovered harboring a fugitive wore her down. She'd stayed up at night, running a persistent loop of conflicting thoughts through her mind. I need to protect the exotics. Maybe I should turn him in. My baby's life is at stake. Phil isn't real. Phil is Arthur. Arthur is an asshole. If push came to shove, she wouldn't protect him. She would turn him in. She decided not to tell anyone but Iris the full story about Phil. She remembered Arthur's warning that the leaders had spies everywhere. Although she believed she could trust them implicitly, Georgia couldn't be absolutely sure that one of her housemates wasn't a spy. Even if she wasn't actually living under the same roof as a spy, she reasoned that the less her housemates knew, the better for their own safety. If they were ever questioned, threatened, or bribed by the authorities, they couldn't reveal much if she kept them in the dark. Yes. It was better this way. Iris, on the other hand, was a thrill addict. She relished getting herself into risky situations, and Georgia knew her roommate would never turn down the opportunity to put herself in danger. Or was all that bravado just a front? No matter. Iris could be counted on to do whatever it takes. She was smart, confident to a fault, charming, and conniving. Iris was the perfect accomplice. Georgia devised a plan to sneak into the R.C. after hours with Arthur and have him show her everything he could remember about the R.C. operational protocols. In return, she would convince the exotics to continue to hide him in their dorm until the leaders, hopefully, stopped looking for him. She thought about what she would say if the authorities approached her about her former donor partner, if she was questioned, she might be able to convince the authorities that her cousin Phil was an emotionally unstable guy who often fell into deep depressions and talked of suicide. They would believe her because they knew what they had put him through, 
the poor tormented soul. Maybe she could let it slip to Tiffany during her next visit to the RC that Phil had overheard the RTs talking about terminating him. That could work. An oddly husky and unattractive exotic emerged from the dorm with Georgia and walked beside her along the slushy path to the RC. Georgia couldn't help giggling nervously at the sight of Phil in Anya's Cleopatra wig and heavy makeup. It barely disguised his emerging five o'clock shadow. There was no amount of feminine trickery that could turn this portly middle-aged man into a passable exotic. Lucky for them, both. It was already dark out, and the yellow sulfur haze was perfectly thick and concealing. They set out on this dangerous outing under the calculated probability that Phil's thumbprint would work on any RC security scanner. Nearly everything on New Earth was standardized for efficiency. If Georgia was right, a reproductive center in any sector would be constructed with the same basic design and share the same operating system. Even so, once the scanner recorded Arthur's thumbprint, there would be a traceable record of his whereabouts. What if the authorities thought to check the scanner data, knowing that Arthur had been an RT before realignment? Both Phil and Georgia were keenly aware of the risk they were taking. Of course, Phil decided he owed Georgia this favor for offering to hide him. Arthur was a pragmatist. He knew the leader's spies would eventually find him, turn him in, and he would be terminated. A non-productive donor was of no value to society. He concluded that if he was going to go out anyway, he might as well go out as a hero in Georgia's eyes. Phil placed his thumb on the scanner, and both shuddered with a mixture of excitement and dread as they heard the familiar click of the lock disengaging. Try not to touch anything, Phil, Georgia warned in a low voice. Just tell me what to do. Phil nervously looked around the darkened R.C., but when he turned back toward Georgia, his expression had hardened. Arthur was back. He pointed to a small keypad behind the counter. Hurry, he commanded. Georgia flew across the reception area and stood in front of the keypad. Okay, what's the code? 87883-4591. She started to key in the first four numbers, then paused, panicking. Her nerves were getting the best of her. I, I forgot the rest. W what is it again? She looked at him with desperation. Arthur shook his head in disgust, but managed to keep his voice calm and steady. Take a deep breath and listen carefully. The code is 8788. Georgia repeated the numbers to herself as she exhaled, struggling to keep her hand from shaking while she keyed in the first four numbers. She paused, waiting for Arthur to say the next two numbers, then the final three, as she carefully pushed each key. The tiny flashing red light on the keypad changed to blue. It worked. The alarm was disabled. Georgia took another deep breath. Okay, now what? Let's get to it. The metal security door to the hatchery swung open as they approached it, and the two stood there gazing at the multiple aisles of glass cylinders. Which one is it? He asked impatiently. Georgia made her way down the first aisle, then second aisle of little aquanauts floating in various stages of fetal development. 
Her heart was beating in her throat. I... I don't see it. Turn the corner, he ordered. His voice was firmer than before, and more clipped. Arthur was in full form now that he was in familiar territory. Georgia did as she was told, and three-quarters of the way down the aisle around the corner, she finally saw her baby's code label beneath a four-liter cylinder. She stood there mesmerized, staring at it. The little bean had arms and legs now, and eyes, huge black eyes. Georgia, focus, Arthur growled, annoyed by her lack of urgency. Hurry, disengage the cylinder. She looked up in a panic. What do you mean? Disconnect the oxygen source, that tube going in from the top of the cylinder. She froze. I, I, what if it stops? He shoved her out of the way and, working quickly and efficiently, pulled the oxygen tube out of the cylinder. Now, carry the cylinder through the next aisle. You've got to move quickly before it suffocates. Georgia grabbed the cylinder, which weighed much more than she anticipated, almost dropping it as it started to slip through her arms. She tightened her grip and followed Arthur to the next aisle with her precious cargo sloshing about inside. Set it down over there. He pointed to an open section on the shelf. Without regard for what he was about to do, Arthur quickly pulled the oxygen tube from the neighboring cylinder and jammed it into the one containing Georgia's developing fetus. She watched him work, quietly horrified by his efficiency and nonchalance, as he destined one fetus to death by suffocation while providing life-sustaining oxygen to hers. Her stomach turned from anguish and guilt. She knew she should tell him to stop, to put the tube back, but she held herself in check. There, he grumbled. That one's not going to make it, but yours is safe, at least for now. He turned to her, grinning with satisfaction and mild amusement at Georgia's wretched expression. Congratulations. Mission accomplished. She stood there, in front of the deoxygenated cylinder, keeping a silent vigil as she witnessed the unfortunate little being struggling for its life, desperately swimming until it gradually slowed to a stop. What are you waiting for? Arthur growled. He had no patience for sentimentality. Let's go. Georgia wiped a tear from her cheek with the back of her hand and turned her attention to her fetus, who was tumbling about in its cylinder, happily oblivious of the tiny corpse floating at the top of its cylinder in the next aisle. She pressed her palm gently against the glass. Hang in there. I'll be back for you, she whispered, trying to hold back an avalanche of emotion. I said let's go. Arthur gave her an abrupt shove, forcing her back to the dangerous reality of their situation. He was a fugitive, and now she was a criminal. I'm coming. She looked up and saw Arthur rushing down the aisle toward the door. She ran to catch up to him, then held her ground as he attempted to push her through the door. Wait, I forgot to get the label number. I'll be right back. As she turned, Arthur grabbed her roughly by the arm, turning her around. I've got the number. Let's go. Hurry. You do? She whispered anxiously. Are you sure? E55-66L. It's a simple one. Now, are you coming? Or should I just leave you here to babysit until they find you? He sneered. 
Georgia didn't reply but followed closely behind Arthur as he keyed in the security code to reset the alarm. The red light started to flash, counting down the seconds before an alarm would go off. The two of them rushed through the exit as the door automatically closed behind them. Georgia's heartbeat was drowning out Arthur's voice, but she could read his lips. Come on, this way. He motioned toward a path that curved around the back of the RC. This is the path the RTs use to get to work. It curves around behind the nutrient center. Well, look like we just stopped there to grab a late-night snack. Georgia felt her body gradually settling down as they walked briskly down the path. The exercise was a good way to expend her nervous energy. Finally, as they rounded the nutrient center, she glanced over at Arthur, who was huffing and swinging his ample arms that were tightly encased in the sleeves of Sheila's gauzy floral dress. She smiled at him. You move pretty well in that outfit. He looked at her puzzled and looked down at himself, frowning. What is this? Where's my jumpsuit? It's at my dorm. Your dorm? I'm staying with you? With exotics? He shook his head as the corners of his lips curled into a tight grin. Clever idea. Why, thank you, Arthur. That was a compliment, wasn't it? He shrugged. He wasn't about to admit any admiration for a breeder. The two of them made it back to the exotic storm unseen, except by the tall figure hiding in the shadows a few meters from the building. He hurried away when Georgia opened the door and her uncomely companion followed her in, closing the door behind them.